0: Welcome to the Blue Collar Gold Podcast, the podcast that shows you how to build a world-class service business from the dirt up. And now your host, Mark Stoner. Hello, and thank you for joining me again for the Blue Collar Gold Podcast. I'm your host, Mark Stoner, and I am here to talk about business. This week I've been talking a lot of business with a lot of business people. I really love it. I really enjoy it. And uh, today I was on a a quick call, a couple hour call actually, with a recent friend of mine, Chad Murray. He's got a podcast outside the business box and we have started doing a few things together. He asked me to be a, you know, a guest on his coaching session. He does it, I think he said, once every six weeks. And uh, I was a real honored to get to talk to some of the guys were chimney guys that some of them had other types of businesses. And some of them said they listened to the, the this show. And so thank you for joining me. I really I really enjoy the entrepreneurial journey and I enjoy uh, helping people through the struggles. And sometimes it's kind of like, you know, reaching back and helping somebody through a problem that you've already seen. And you can, you're like, yep, I know how that feels. I know exactly or close to what that is. And here's what I did for, you know, your, for this problem. And, and it brings me to the, the topic of today, which is difficult conversations and kind of how to go about having them. I recently listened to, uh, I was on a webinar with uh, the Dave Ramsey group. And they were talking about having difficult conversations, and one of the guys talked about a book called "The Four Stages of Psychological Safety." And I'm not all the way through it yet, so I can't necessarily recommend it. But this guy recommended it, and he talked about a lot of the hard conversations that he'd had, and I really enjoyed listening to that. And I want to talk about what he talked about, plus how I handle hard conversations because. You know, we all have to have hard conversations, right? The problem doesn't get better unless it's addressed. And as leaders, we you know, you, you can't just let things happen. And and the hard conversations can be so varied in in what they really are. It can be it can be something as minor as somebody's tapping their pencil all day long on the desk and it's driving everybody nuts. I mean, it can be that small that, hey, can you tell them to stop smacking their gum when they're, they're doing, and and literally it's funny in my office, my, one of my uh, staff is my sister-in-law and she, she gets going on beating on the desk and tapping her feet on the hard plastic, like the roller thing that your desk chair would roll on. And she doesn't even know she's doing it and she's doing a full on drum solo. Well, the girl that sits right next to her in the cubicle does not like noise at all. So you can imagine now they have a good relationship and they're very transparent and they have this little bell that they use. It's like a little, like a bell you would, you would hit when you came to like a, you know, service desk or something. They go ding and they use that whenever somebody's aggravating them or whenever, you know, we we might go too far and you you know, some kind of HR thing, you know, but, um, basically they have a little, a a way to have a hard conversation quick, but sometimes people in your office, you can't have those conversations very easy or they get torn up, tore up. And as leaders, we have to have hard conversations all the time. Everything from you're tapping too much. You need to use deodorant. You've got bad breath. You're coming in late. Your job's terrible. You're offensive to other people. You're, you know, like it's, it, I can't tell you how many hard conversations that I've had. And now I just, I don't mind having them. I mean, you could literally tell me anything that I had to have. And not that I enjoy them and not that I just run right into them. And yeah, no problem. I'll have it. But I can have it and I must have it because. The problem doesn't get better unless it's addressed. And I am usually the guy that has to address it. Now, if I'm trying to grow leaders, I will have them address it first. And if they can't get through it, then I will address it. But, you know, I think one of the things that the guy brought up in the uh, in his his talk was that for some reason, as leaders, we think that if we say it once it should get done. Like the first time you say it, you know, I told them to do this and they didn't change their ways. And is that really real? I mean, one of the things was to not get too frustrated going into a conversation because you've told something, somebody, something new once and they didn't change. Is that enough to be really mad? Or are you going in as a leader with unreal expectations of how, Uh, effective your one time telling somebody to do something different or change to this new program is so if one time if we can you know if you can go in and go okay one time is is probably not enough to change behavior but 10 times is too many okay so we understand that 10 times is too many and once isn't enough but are we good with three times is that okay? And the fourth time you start ramping up is five times probably what we're going to do when we start ramping up because the 10th time, or do we think I told them once I warned them the second time and the third time they're fired. Like, is that real? So I think some as a leader, some of your expectations as to what, how critical this is. I mean, if it's something dead serious, it, you know, dr- drug issue or some, you know, sexual harassment, you know, one time is is all you get and second time you're out. But a lot, most things that we have to deal with as leaders are not that critical. They're small, little, there's small, little adjustments you have to make with people to make them better. You know, um, I, I, I had a hard conversation this week with a very close person that is a little bit lost, and a little bit, um, you know, a little bit out of sorts. And you know, at one point, they were just an amazing, amazing person. And, and they probably listen to this podcast, so I'm not saying anything I wouldn't say in person. But you know, certain dynamics happen in your jo- in your workplace, and some of it is the person, and some of it is the environment, and some of it is other people. But it kind of can mix into a kind of a toxic stew that as a leader, now I got to figure out how to get the toxicity out of the stew. Like it can't stay that way. And my job to really help the team is to make sure the toxicity level goes out completely. Now, could it be removing the person completely from the company? Yeah, that's probably the easiest thing to do. But that's not what I choose to do most of the time. I choose to go to the person, find out what has changed. Why are things changed? Is there anything I can do about it? And most of the time, it's something that's happened within them. And usually it's a perception change. Now, sometimes that perception is real, but sometimes it isn't. And um, there's a perception of how you are respected or how if you're safe in the environment or if you are... Um, you know, if you're part of the team or you're pushed to the outer fringes and in business, yeah, there's clicks that happen in any business. There's people that do feel pushed out. You've got to understand too, sometimes you do stuff, stuff that pushes you out. Sometimes you draw lines or you draw assumptions or you make things, you put yourself out on that line that causes you to be out there too. You know, the truth is, When you want to be accepted in a group, the way you get accepted is by giving and doing more for the group, not demanding more respect that you get be given to the group. It's and and it can be totally uh, like it can feel terrible because you gave you did this and the group didn't care. You said this and the group didn't care. Right. It's just the same as my conversation thing. You did something once or twice or three times. That may not be enough for you to truly be brought back into the group if you want to be part of it. And sometimes, you know, people can be mean and they can they can not want you in the group. And no matter what you do, you won't be in that group and you got to decide how much you want to be in it. But typically what I've found is if I, you know, in any situation, if if you learn to give more. If you learn to add value to somebody's life or a group, you will be loved, you will be revered. And, and when you give value, you expect nothing back. When I try to help somebody in my business, I don't expect anything back other than then hopefully to gain something for it to make their life better. I don't expect them to have to do anything for me typically, especially if it's for them. Now, if it's something for me, If it's something I need in the business, you better believe I expect something in return. I'm like, I need you to do this. I pay you to do this. This is your job. This is mission critical. I need it done. Now, if they've got a different way to do it that I can uh, get on board with and they want to do it their way, that happens a lot too. We can be kind of flexible and watch for somebody's strengths to appear and flex the job a little bit and take away from that. To a degree, as long as the job is getting done, you kind of flex the people's strengths. But you know, one thing when I've I've learned over time when I'm having hard conversations is one if it's if I know that that conversation is going to go red, like go you know hard, or it's like a firing or a hard warning, um, I'm prepared for that. I'm typically prepared going in with with stats, with some data. With some um you know uh, uh, some notes basically, and th- it's very respectful, I think, to have notes in these things, but here's the key when you bring somebody in for a reprimand or some kind of change, you need to be able to say it in one sentence you need to state the problem very succinctly in one sentence that this is the problem. And maybe you have the answer, maybe you don't, but you need to be able to list the problem quickly. And this doesn't need to be a long conversation. This isn't a 30-minute conversation. This isn't an hour conversation for sure. This is a 10-minute conversation, maybe five minutes, maybe two minutes, at the most 20 minutes, because you're that's not the reason for the reprimand. The reprimand is to, here's the problem very succinctly, Here's what I think you need to do. How can we get to this problem? When's a real date that we can, we can I can expect this to be changed? Is it tomorrow? Is it when you walk out? Do I need to give you a week? Do I need to give you two weeks to stop tapping your pencil on the thing? Do I need to give you whatever uh, to get there? But then, then you put a date down. We said this. Let's put a follow-up date on that we can agree on. And that here is the, what should I expect as the owner? What, what can you commit to as the employee? I got to get here, you know, product, you know, process improvement, a personnel improvement, they call them PIPs plan. So how do we do it? I like those. Okay. I don't have a tremendous amount of faith and success in those personal improvement plans. I have better success in telling you what to do and expecting it to happen pretty quickly. And then I'll give you a warning or two. And then you're pretty much deciding that your habit or your thing that you're deciding to do over and over is just how who you are and how you're going to do it. And then I've got to decide if if I can work around it to keep you on the team or it's a no-go. A lot of times anymore, if I've had to come to you and your headline news in my company, I pretty much don't have too much faith. You need to change. And I love when people do change or I've, I've brought a problem to light and they get better because I brought it to light. And they're like, well, I had no idea it was a blind spot and I'll fix it. I love that. I hate when somebody's like, well, that's just me and you're going to have to deal with it. Well, that's probably not going to work too well. But you know, one of the main things when you're talking to somebody in a situation is make sure that the main the main thing they want is dignity in the conversation. When you're having this hard conversation, I don't like to use, I don't like to use you should, or you need to, or what I like to say is I, I say like, well, what I found is what, this and I did this. And what I saw with a previous employee was this behavior and they did this and we fixed it. Or I use I and tell a story reflecting back on my experience, what I've read, what I've heard, what I think would help. I try to stay away from saying you should giving direct. Now, sometimes you have to, you have to do this. But in general, when you're trying to give advice whenever I hear somebody giving advice and they, they go, you should do this and you got to do that. And this is, that's to me, the wrong type of way to give people advice. The better way is to be non-accusatory, non, you know, I'm not speaking from on high and saying, you've got to do this. I want to be on the same level. As you and saying, man, I, I get that. Here's what I here's what I've seen. Here's what I found. Here's what I did when I ran across something like that. It's a much more safe conversation, a lot more less likely to go nuclear on you. And, you know, I also by the time and I've said it before, by the time I fire someone, they really know they're going to be fired. It's not going to be a surprise. The day they get fired will not be a surprise to them. I have warned, I have I have written up, I have a good trail of what's happening and by the time it happens it's it's not nuclear. Now, I can't say it's always been like that cuz it has been some people I knew were going to go nuclear no matter when I pulled the trigger cuz they went nuclear and then I had to bring in people. I would suggest always having somebody beside you to witness the conversation to help to be a, a, you know, kind of an impartial person, or maybe they're on your side and and they're backing you up. Maybe another person that can understand the employee's side and maybe give you some other, you know, angles to think about a problem. But typically by the time it comes to that, you've already thought through it, but have somebody in the room with you. I'm not an HR person. There's probably laws and other ways to do it. But in general, I try to have somebody with me when we when we do a hard reprimand or a firing. Um, I've had employees go go totally nuclear and physical on a manager. I've had them go physical on me. I've had them slam doors. I've heard more often than not, it's they cry, they're sorry, they're trying to fix things. I'm like, well, none of that works for me. Like, there's at this point, the only thing that ever saves somebody. Is if they truly feel that they had a blind spot and they truly will fix it and we hadn't addressed that before or somehow I missed a step. If I ever miss a step in the process and I realize, you know what, they never did know that this was a problem or I did not do a good enough job laying out the framework why they can't do this, then I will step back and put it all on me. But if I've given warnings and it's written up and it's clear and they choose that, you know, one of my favorite lines is, uh, you know, I'm going to help you go be successful somewhere else and it's just not going to work here anymore. And I want you to be successful and this environment is not going to be it. And sometimes firing people really does help them, you know. It really does. They need to be fired. There's younger people that need to be fired from stuff and face consequences. That's how we get better. When you remove, you know, my friend Larry Wingate, I, I saw a thing the other day, Facebook, and I'm, I'm going to butcher the quote. But basically, when you remove the consequences from people and, and remove consequences from life, you rob from them the chance to learn and get better. And so that's how we've all gotten better. If you're listening to this podcast, you've faced some damn hard consequences before, learned how to get better and you don't want to face them again. But the consequence changed you. The consequence probably you can look back and go, that helped me. Although it was terrible at the time. You know, I look back on my fall as, as a, as a terrible consequence, life threatening, yet one of the best things that could ever happen to me. I look back on 2008 when I went broke and laid everybody off and started over at ground zero as one of the best things ever. The consequences of me being a bad leader, a bad uh, financial person, a, a, a not a great business person, all the things added up to failure. One of the best things that ever happened. So don't be afraid of those. But you you do. And sometimes when you put the consequences on people, it really does help them. I have had so many employees Later, come back to me after firing them, and they're like, Thanks, best thing you ever could have done for me because this happened and that happened, or I learned this or I stopped doing that. And as you listen to the Stoner 420 broadcast, sometimes when I fired them, they end up having more consequences and end up being in jail. So, you know, consequences are needed, and sometimes you're the one that has to put it. So, again, you know, that you have to address the problem for it to change. Another thing I made a note on was that I don't like what they call shit sandwiches when you are addressing an employee situation and you know, the shit sandwiches, You start off with something good. You say the hard stuff or the shitty thing in the middle, and then you end with something good at the end. That way, you know, you got the whole conversation, but it's not too harmful for the person. I hate that method of dealing with a problem. If I want to brag on you, and I want I, if I want the conversation to end good, I will end on something good. If I need you to change behavior, I'm not going to end on something good. I'm going to end on something negative that, that because whatever you end with. I think is what they go away with. So if you really want to try to do something negative, but you end on a positive like, hey, man, I really love you. I want you on the team and you end on the good thing that they can go away with thinking the bad thing wasn't that serious cuz you still love them. If you want the bad thing to stick, you end on it with, "Hey, this is the last time we're going to have this conversation. I need the, you know, the the situation to change. Are we in agreement? Great. I appreciate your time. I'll see you in 2 weeks. We'll check back in." Is that good? Great. Like some type of hard thing to make sure they they understand the severity or the issue at hand. Sometimes we're trying to be too nice and we we cloud it up and we rob them of realizing, you know, and I've had to happen. We fired somebody after that and like, well, man, I didn't think you were that serious about it. I didn't think it was that big a deal. Wow. I had no idea it was bothering you that much. You didn't seem because you didn't, you didn't give them a fair warning of something that was really bothering you. And as a leader, it's mission critical that they really do understand clearly how you think and clearly how they think about the problem too. So no shit sandwiches. Um, also, um, make sure I do ask this now at the end and I learned it recently. You know, one of the questions, do you feel that w- what we talked about was fair or do you think it was unfair? Like when you throw it back in their hands did you, Do you understand? Did you feel threatened when I talked to you, or do you feel that this, what I'm talking about, is unfair? I've had one conversation say, Yeah, completely unfair. This warning that you're giving me is unfair. And I'm like, Well, you were caught lying. You were warned. And now this is a serious warning. I need you to fill out the, you know, I need you to sign the written warning. Now, I also say this can either be a bump in the road or a life changing moment. It just can either stay green or it can go red. I want it to stay green. I want you to understand that I can't have this behavior anymore. You can't do what you did. And I need you to sign this and, and recognize that we, you're going to change this behavior. Now, that conversation didn't go well. I lost a very talented person, but I, I told him, I said, look, this problem is going to follow you. What you're doing is, has nothing to do with me or my company or even my team. It's a you thing. And you're going to you. He felt like he was better than everyone else, smarter than everybody else. Everybody else was a dumbass. And he was, you know, thank God for him. I'm like, man, that problem is going to run with you. It's going to be part of you. Well, sure enough, I think he went he's been to seven other companies since mine. I'm just bouncing around and I know exactly what what it is. And sometimes you got to help them fix themselves. Sometimes there's no way to fix them. You, it, I don't have enough time in the day to fix people, but you can't poison my team. You can't be toxic to my team. And I'm going to have a super hard conversation with you to fix it. So again, I, I like saying, do you think this, do you think this conversation was one sided or unfair? It, it, it makes you help to understand how you were uh, observed or how you were taken most of the time people say no i I understand i think it was fair i don't think it was one-sided um i'm sorry i apologize for the stress or the problems i've caused the team and sometimes they feel like they should just leave because they can see how much stress it's putting me under but I typically if I'm coming to that that to them at that point I don't want them to leave. I want them to get better and fix whatever crap it is so we can go on. I mean, when you look at the stats of how much it costs to train a new employee or bring somebody new on or have a bad employee in your in your mix which didn't do good work or caused toxicity to the team or whatever they did, you're looking at probably five times whatever their salary is as a cost to you to deal with their crap, fix their stuff, retrain somebody, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, if you pay somebody 50,000 bucks and and it's really going to cost you a quarter of a million bucks to have a bad hire or not get rid of them, man, that I want to save them, but I want to do it quickly. I, I can't let them be in the team long. I can't let them drag morale down, drag culture down. And, You know, that kind of goes back to, do you have your culture written out? Do people understand what's acceptable and what isn't in your culture? Um, A lot of people don't, or a lot of people develop a culture that everybody doesn't know what it is. And for me, there's a couple real cultural things that my whole company does know. They know 2.9013, which I've talked about before, is basically three positives to one negative. It's a Losada line. It was a study done years ago. And we want to have three pauses. And today I was watching my group chat and, and we brag on each other and we, we cut up, but we have fun and we mostly brag on each other. Recently we, you know, Chad Murray uh, had the idea for Chimney World and, and I, in part of my contribution to it as an admin, but also I said, this needs to be a different place. This needs to be a positive place. We need to cheer each other on and we need to make sure we, we cultivate that on this Facebook group. And I think Justin Neary today, when I, before I started this podcast said, Hey, I like this group. I, I find myself checking this group more often and I want to post here because it's, it's good. Imagine if you do that in your company that people want to come there. It's a good psychologically safe place. We can have confrontation. We can say the hard thing, but we're not, it's still okay. When you develop a business that's psychologically unsafe for people to be real and be clear and they just have to hide it, it festers problems. You have to be able to talk problems out, have good conversations, good healthy conflict, and make sure that you have a place that people, because that's how you grow stronger leaders. I was at a networking group tonight uh called entrepreneur organization EO you probably have a group in your town you might want to look into it um all kinds of different businesses and entrepreneurs and um you know they you know they get it they get uh, one of their things is to make sure that you can talk plainly and these people they do talk plainly like they don't they don't sugarcoat anything you know, I met a brand new guy, I said, man, you know, what do you do? He's like, I have this business, I do this business and that, and I'm probably going to be divorced in six months. Like, I wasn't ready for that level of candidness when I first met him, like literally the first 50 words, he tells me this. I talked to another lady and she's got a huge business. She's in 35,000 stores. She has a product that's in every Walmart, Target, huge $60 million company. She's like, I do this, I do that. And, you know, I'm facing an FDA, um, you know, a, a charge from FDA that um, I'm working with some senators and stuff to rewrite the law because my main competitor is suing me. Like, I'm, I'm like, wow, these people say the hard thing at first, like they're really transparent. And so you know, that's a neat place to be is to be transparent, but not get beat up for it. And because everybody's got that stuff, but they, you know, they don't necessarily, you don't necessarily say it right off the bat, but if you say it in a real clear, slightly vulnerable way that, yeah, I've, I do this. And then another guy was just amazing. He and I hit it off right off the bat. And then he he told me about how often he he does these uh, psychological or psychedelic trips once a quarter. He does something with a shaman and and goes in a different place and opens up his brain like this group was very interesting because they were very high level performers and they've got really real about stuff. And uh, I enjoyed it. This one guy has this book club that he, uh, and I'll, I'll probably have him on the podcast because it's so interesting. I can't wait to do it. A lot of times I read a book and then I recommend it to my people. I'm like, oh, like I'm doing tonight. I said, I I recommend it. I said, well, he's got a way to do a book club where people actually get, um, get rewarded for reading the books. You, you make a, a list of books that you have read and would recommend they come in and get to pick the books. And then based on the size of the book, when they complete it, they get a reward from you. But they pick the book, not you handing them a book and say, read this, which I've done that a bunch. And there's rewards and trackability and and prizes and all kinds of stuff. He's got this way to get your team involved in reading and learning. And it's kind of on their own terms. He goes, You know, some people will never do it, but other people, if people never read, maybe they read five books and it changed their life. If they're already a medium reader, they'll read more. If they're already an avid reader, they'll blow it out of the water. So they'll go right down your list and smoke it. So um, not smoke it, but they'll just, they'll do it all the way through. So I'm, I'm really excited about, about learning from these people who are high level people and, and building great teams. So that's my podcast on hard conversations. I also have a guest coming up. I'm super excited about. He's going to be on the Facebook Live that we do for Surefire, and he's working with my team about burn with about burnout and high performance teams. Um, and he's and I'm going to talk about his process next week. But then probably in a few weeks. I'm going to try to, I'll have him on the Facebook live and I may just turn that Facebook live into a podcast because it's going to be amazing. I did his podcast a couple weeks ago called zero to 5,000, but he mostly just asked me questions. But when I talk to him, he's got a process of, of watching, you know, high performance teams go through survival stage and then burnout stage. And they really don't, recover properly on a daily basis or even, you know, so I'm, I'm really excited about some upcoming guests I'm going to have on the podcast. All right, guys, that's my time. I hope you guys have a great week and we'll talk to you soon. Thanks for listening to the Blue Collar Gold Podcast. Please subscribe on iTunes or any place that you listen to podcasts. More information is also available at markstoner.com.